Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I wanted to start out with a righteousness commercial tonight. I have, I talked a little bit about it on Tuesday during our Zoom call. And let's, let me read it to you. It's Romans 10. I read a little snippet of it on Sunday. I want to read it in the message to begin, okay? Because it makes me laugh the most. Do you like the message? Yes. Do you read the Bible in different versions? Do you enjoy that? It's my favorite thing. Believe me, friends. All I want for you is the best. What's the best? Salvation. That's the best. Nothing less. What's less than salvation? Anyway. I want it with all my heart. And I pray to God for it all the time. I readily admit that he's speaking to the Jews, but we're impressively energetic regarding God, but we're doing everything backward. We don't seem to realize that this comprehensive setting things right. That is salvation is God's business and a flourishing business. It is. But right across the street, we set up our own salvation shop. And we noisily hawk our wares. After all these years of refusing to really deal with God on His terms, insisting and said they make their own deals and they have nothing to show for it. Now, in the Amplified, it'll explain what we just read. It basically says, it's, it's exactly CeCe's vision in a nutshell. And I read it on Sunday. For I, have, uh, for I testify about them that they have a certain enthusiasm for God, but not in accordance with correct and vital knowledge about Him and His purpose. For not knowing about God's righteousness, which is based on faith, and seeking to establish their own righteousness based on works, they did not submit to his righteousness. Now, I, I just, I don't know why, who this is for, but this has just been burning in my heart, these little scriptures. And I had to look up righteousness because I don't know if you realize this. What's really important is that righteousness is a gift, not a reward. And so another thing you have to remember about righteousness, since it's a gift, you can't lose it. Come on, Tisa. In fact, your stuff that you do, that sin stuff that you're so worried about is a disqualifier. It doesn't remove his righteousness from you. Listen, we don't understand salvation. I can tell we don't because I think... It's so much closer, you know, I remember when I grew up, the Baptists used to say, once saved, always saved, and they were heretics, we said, but I almost feel like they're closer than the religious spirit. I feel like 
You know, we focus so much on behavior modification as opposed to relational modification. And so one of the things God does is he grants gifts upon arrival to the planet. Faith is deposited in you. You you cannot do anything about it. And he offers this free gift of salvation. And he says, if you believe, you can take this off of my hand. You're saved. And with that came righteousness. It is connected together. Salvation and righteousness cannot be separated no more than love and God can be separated. And another kicker for you, just like God is righteous, you are. It's a gift from God. You didn't do anything to get it. You can't do anything to keep it. You, it came together in the package. You can't separate it out. It is one thing. Listen, Romans 5 says it like this. Death once held us in its grip by the plunder of one man. Death reigned as king over humanity. But now, how much more are we held in the grip of grace? Listen, is is death and sin more powerful than God's love? Impossible. Impossible. So God's love is actually the thing working fear out of you. Listen, every single human being that did not know Jesus, did not accept him, lives as fear as as an idol. Now, Christians are trying to get out of fear. I propose if you spend way less time trying to get out of something he just said don't do and just let love invade you. You know, I mean, I, I have... I just, the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning, I just say, oh, I love you, I love you. I've just been waking up all hours of the night, and I just hear myself saying, Jesus, I love you, Jesus, I love you, Jesus, I love you. You know, it's, it's the awareness that love is the answer to everything. Not behavior modification. You may want to try some. You know, I mean, like you may have to do a few things to get yourself. You know, a habit is a habit is a habit. I'm sorry that habits are developed, but when they're developed, you may have to break them. But at the end of the day, it's going to come back to how much you love, how much you let him love you. And he can change all the habits. But now, how much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life? Enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and only. Did you hear it? Now listen, I don't know if you understand this, but you're going to come back one day and you're going to be positioned on earth to reign. This is training to reign. Now you're a little king. It's great when you can learn to be king over your own soul. 
Remember what Cece laughed at herself on Sunday when she said, how can you crown him king when you got the crown on your head? Heat, right? And so you're learning now. So one of the vital, I don't know who this is for, but it's so vitally important to remember that this perfect gift of righteousness, when God sees you, he sees his righteousness on you. That's a game changer for me because I'm not trying to earn something. So then all my activity can't be to earn the thing that I already possess. My earthly activity becomes how do I display what I already have? Are you with me? So this, this righteousness, I love this. It says, It's the state of him, I've read this before, the state of him who is as he ought to be. Agreed? The condition that's acceptable to God. So that's why it's such a cool gig. Because God didn't make you have to earn it. Because he didn't want you to brag about it. Because you know what you'd do. You'd be like, look what I did. I'm a little bit more holy than you. It's an even playing field. The righteousness is distributed to every believer exactly the same. You're not more righteous than me. I'm not more righteous than you. I'm not getting righteous by reading more and praying more. I'm not getting righteous by being in attendance more. I'm not being righteous by tithing. I'm not being righteous by giving. I got that for free. It's the way I ought to be. It's the way that's acceptable to God. You're not your own. You didn't make the plan. You're not God. You're not the creator. You didn't decide this life. You didn't decide to put you here. None of that was on you. Now you're just trying to learn how to reign in righteousness, which you already have. That just sounds so much funner to me. It says the integrity, virtue, purity of life, rightness, correctness of thinking and feeling and acting. That's what you possess. So here's the cool gig. When you step into a situation and you're a Christian, you know how to act. Wouldn't it be unfair if he was just like, only Aaron's going to know the right way to act. Have you got to the point yet where you realize how much you're overriding the righteousness to get to act the way you're acting? You got to do a lot of overriding. Listen to that. Right now, he's tweaking the tweaks. Listen, right now, you don't know if you're supposed to say it ain't me or this is me. You don't even know right now. You're all messed up in here. Isn't That's what he loves. Do you understand why he loves it? Because he has to keep adjusting you according to his righteousness. I don't feel like we are. Now, one more note on this. It's in this part where it says they did not subject or submit to God's righteousness. Do Do you see... What that word submit means is, is actually a military term. It's a Greek military term that says to arrange in military fashion 
under the command of a leader. A voluntary attitude assuming responsibility. What it's saying was they did not subject themselves. They did not submit. They did not allow themselves to be arranged in a way that was militarily advantageous to God. They did not. But we do. Right? We're assuming the responsibility is on God to make us righteous. So since we assume He can do it, we assume He can do it. We assume God is able to make me righteous, to give me the gift. We assume the responsibility of the righteousness is on God, so it makes me line up. It makes me, it, it, com, it compels me to subject myself to the knowledge that He is righteous. I have the same righteousness that God is. I'm the same. That should have made you way excited. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, the un- another message version, the unspiritual self. Just as it is by nature, can't receive the gifts of God's Spirit. What is righteousness? What is righteousness? What is righteousness? The unspiritual self can't receive the gifts of God's Spirit. Listen, it's so simple. The only way to get to all this goodness is through Jesus, the door. Everything to life and godliness, happiness, peace is on the other side of the door. But listen, it's not about just stepping through the door and we're done. I got Jesus. You got Jesus? You got Jesus? We're golden. Because what is that? That makes us say, well, if, if God intended for when we found Jesus to, for life to be over, we would have been scooped right up to heaven and have been over. He said, now do something with your righteousness. Now do something with your salvation. Now do something with the gift I just gave you that you could not own, earn on your own. And it makes everything right. Because it's righteous. Your unspiritual self can't receive the gifts of God. There's no capacity for them. They seem like so much silliness. Spirit can only be known by spirit. God's spirit, our spirit, in open communication. Spiritually alive, we have access to everything God's spirit is doing. Wow! Wow! Did did y'all hear that? If you're spiritually alive, you have access to every single thing the Holy Spirit is doing. What is He doing? Listen, anything that's happening on the earth right now, spirit. Some kind of spirit. Only two, two kinds. There's the demonic. Lou's in charge of that. He's still pouting over losing his position in heaven. 
And he's so jealous of you. Have you ever been jealous of anybody? Anybody in here ever been jealous? Do you even remember what you did? Because you were an idiot. Jealousy is, it. you are the biggest idiot. Come on, be honest. Think of some stupid thing you did and tell me. No, they got to know. Copy them. Like you could be them. I'm going to copy them, right? I know, I know a story someone told me in here. And it's not about any of you, okay? So let, that's a safe one, right? Because I got so many more I could tell on y'all. <laughs> I'm gonna tell one that there's no one in here, okay? They lost their boyfriend, and the boyfriend got a new girlfriend. I don't know if you understand that, but that means you're not girlfriend no more. They snuck into the boyfriend's house and put shrimp in the curtain rod. Uh huh. Now, I don't know how does that compare to what, yeah, does it, make, does it make you feel better or are you like going, dang, are you up over that? I mean, come on, think about that smell in a little few days, hot, hot summer morn, right? Spiritually alive. We have access to everything God's Spirit is doing and can't be judged by unspiritual critics. Listen, this should be the answer to people pleasing for everybody in the room. Lord Jesus, let hopefully they're going to say something about you. If they're not saying something about you, you might need to want to push the envelope with God just a little bit further. You can't be judged by them. Don't act like you can. Don't put yourself under their judgment like they're doing something to you. Come on, this is just a commercial on righteousness. Come on. Anyone, uh, sorry, can't be judged by unspiritual critics. Isaiah's question, is there anyone around who knows God's spirit? Anyone who knows what he's doing? Here's the answer. Christ knows. And we have Christ's spirit. I don't even know what else we need to do this life. We've got the spirit that knows everything God's spirit's doing. Because it is God's spirit. And he's isn't it a great plan? So this is, that is the plan of salvation. You come to him, this free gift, you got your, you got your salvation. Yeah. And so in, he just hid you in that salvation. That's all he can see. It's like, it's like this beautiful coat that you have on. And he says, we can do anything in here. I can tell you my secrets. You can have intimacy in here. You can have clothes. And guess what? Fear and judgment can't touch you. Eh, 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 eh. Can't touch you. It can't touch you. Finally, I got some smiles out of somebody on that. Eh, 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 eh. It can't touch you. It cannot touch you. And so you, you should act different inside the covering. All solutions are in the covering. Every solution to every problem you have, you should not be known as a person who has problems. You should be known as a person who solves other people's problems. You, there is not a problem you can tell me that I can't solve. I'm just telling you, anybody in here can bring me any problem you have, and I promise you 100% I will find a solution. Without a doubt. And that's the way everybody in here should be. 
I have no doubt that the Holy Spirit would tell me the solution you need. Zero doubt. That's his job in my life. I need wisdom. Wisdom for what? A problem. Wisdom for what? Anything. And all I have to do is ask. So see, that's why it's silly that you don't ask. It's really silly that you don't ask because the solution is waiting for the question. Listen, the solution already exists. It's waiting for you to ask the question for it to be activated to come out. So when you hide all that stuff and you act like we're too busy, I, I've heard that so much this week. I want I... It is you. You're the one that won't ask it. You're the one that's afraid. You're the one. Don't put that on me. I'm the one. I know the answer. And you should be saying that. You should say to the Holy Spirit, I know you know every answer. And I know you made me to be a problem solver. So that means that me and you, we were meant to be on this earth. And we were meant to solve problems for myself, for my neighbors, for everybody. I got Pam's birthday present today, and it's a problem me and Sid well, we're going to have to solve. It's, it's already a situation. We're going to have to solve it. But you know what we did? We got excited. And we said this. We both have this shirt on tonight. The apostles wore the shirt. We, this is what we said. We are so excited because we know we can solve it. There was not one, nothing, zero. I wasn't going to call nobody because we can do it. Now think if you did that in life. That's his righteousness. I've subjected myself because he has all the rights. Okay, that was just my commercial. I want to just tell you four little, I actually have a PowerPoint. And I have to do it tonight because, because I can't keep copying this to the next service. Okay, so just give me 15 minutes and I'll be done. From the Breath of Life book, there are two different kingdoms that work in our world. And these two kingdoms bear different kinds of fruit. The fruit of the two kingdoms is completely different because the source of life, life's fruit, depends on the cultivation and care that person gives to their heart. Now listen, we've been talking about the watchman and we've been talking about your walls. This is the same thing. The, the enemy lied to you and it made you cultivate a garden of fear. When you have fear and problems come up, you anticipate another problem's coming. Let me help you. It's coming. But you have the mind of Jesus. And so that means the problem coming is means that the solution's already there. And so it just means it's part of your training. Part of your training to reign is to be able to encounter things you don't know the answer to without asking. Did y'all get that? We'll listen back later if you didn't get it. The heart is a person's spiritual center. Everything's spiritual. Turn to your neighbor and say, I don't know if you know this, but everything's spiritual. Everything's spiritual. Quit acting like it's not. What, what do you want to do? Just take 10 minutes out of life and say, well, today it's just going to be carnal. 
Not spiritual. Let's just have a carnal day. Let's have a carnal carnival. Let's have a carnal carnival where we all come and just be carnal. I, that's out there, Burning Man. Listen, that that already exists. I mean, you can go do that. I know stuff, man. Aaron is continually confounded the stuff I know. Listen, we're not trying to have a car, carnal carnival. Man, I like that. You might be. I think I heard Haley had a carnal carnival last night. Fear. She. This was the funny story. I have to tell it on you. She called Pam and said, "I had fear." I was. She's staying at her boss's house. I didn't have my glasses on. That was the first thing that made me crack up because I'm thinking me without glasses, and I thought I saw a shape out in the yard, and the dogs were barking. It could have been a person. I'm like, it could have been a, anything because she didn't have her glasses on. Now that see that right there, that's a recipe for fear. Remember what I talked about Sunday? She just experienced it. The thing I talked about Sunday it was in her world. So she called Pam this morning. Hey, I need help. She asked. Got a solution. Did you get a solution? She's gonna go back out there tonight with her dominion. Listen, that's just how it happens. There isn't anything in her that thought, oh, you know, I'm going to be afraid over here. I better call. Right? Watchman 101. Do you have it? Watchman watching 101. No? There. No, that's not it. The next one. There we go. Okay, now listen. In Nehemiah. Now listen, Nehemiah is a whole, Nehemiah and Ezra, it's a whole spiritual metaphor. Okay, and I know that one too, but I'm I'm plucking out this little story out of it, okay? Because what were they doing? They were building the wall for what reason? Number one, it was destroyed. Why are you building up your wall? It was destroyed. Remember the day you figured out, oh, I don't even have anything here, right? I thought I had a whole thing. I had a whole big thing, <laughs> right? Sorry, having, having a moment over here. So Nehemiah has this great story. If you can just you can just pick it up in Nehemiah four. Now remember that he already went to the king Artaxerxes, remember, and he already funded him and everything. Right, got this favor and everything. Right, I don't know if you know the story, but read one, two, three, uh, chapter four. It says that these this guy Sandy he got mad. Sandy's all mad because Sandy's mad because he's got sand in his pants. And listen, he's mad at you wanting to restore your life. (laughs) Why? Why? Because he's in a rubble. And if you restore your life, it'll keep him out of influence in your rubble. I love Moo. She said to somebody recently, I hope as you're leaving the state, you find what you're looking for. Why? Because they're still looking. So Sandy heard that this, and he got mad that they were building the wall. And so this is what he said. I love it. I'm, I'm I'm in the message. 
in the company of the, his Samaritan cronies. <laughs> he said, what are these miserable Jews doing? Do they think they can get everything back to normal overnight, making, building stones out of make-believe? And of course, Toby was right there with him. And he jumped right in because what happens? One guy is saying it. What happens? Remember what I said? Oh, comes a little birdie. Oh, here we are. We flock together now. And we're saying the same thing. Toby says, that's right. What do they think they're building? Why, if a fox climbed on that wall, it would fall down. Message. This is the message version. Right? So what are they doing? They're criticizing the way that you're rebuilding your life. What are you doing that way? First off, they can't even tell that your wall's down because theirs is. Yeah, that's right. That is right. They can't even tell your heart needs healed because they did it. Come on. Come on. Are you with me? So I love Nehemiah, verse 4, he just prayed. Oh, God. I need your help. Listen to us. We're so despised. Have you ever done that? God, why are they making fun of us? I remember the days people would go on Facebook and make fun of us. I'd be like, do you not have anything better to do with your life? But then I started looking at, I mean, have you ever just read what Governor Stitt, what they say on his Instagram page? They hate him. I mean, they, I am never... I have never heard anything like I'm just like, oh my gosh. Death threats for making us wear masks. And then death threats for making us not wear masks. And then Kaysen wants to be a politician. A politician. We're so despised. Boomerang the ridicule on their heads. That tells me I have permission to pray that. Turn their curses back on them. Plunder them. It says, have their enemies cart them off as war trophies to a land of no return. Don't forgive their iniquity. Don't wipe away their sin. They've insulted the builders. Come on. Come on. Now see, you get to say this to the devil. Now I know y'all think that y'all have to just be nice to the devil and anybody that speaks for him. But you really have got to set a boundary. That's what I'm going to talk about tonight. I got to remember what I'm going to talk about. We, <laughs> yeah, I'm getting to that. Six, we kept at it, repairing and build it, rebuilding the wall. The whole wall was soon joined together and halfway to its intended height because the people had a heart to work. So there's the first key. Do you have a heart to work? Or are you ready to just have a nap? Right? Do you have the heart to work? What is the heart to work? What is that? I, pro- I propose that it's, it has a lot to do with unity. I mean, you can run over there and do your own thing. I can run over here and do it. But what if we did something together? Have, have you ever done anything together? Now, see, I laugh because um, something about 
we all have sort of this directional thing. And I've noticed it like, you know, if we start walking out of the house and we're going to go for a walk, you know, I want to go right. Cece wants to go left. If Shudi and I are carrying a piece of sheetrock, she'll get on the left side. I'll get on the right side. There's a directional thing that happens. And in unity, if you don't understand that, you'll be frustrated because someone wants to go the opposite way, which they should. Because, see, the goal of it is that you've got both ends covered. But see, if you insist on having your way, then you can't carry anything. Right? And so then somebody has to be the one to move on the other side of the sheetrock. Okay, it may just be for y'all. Okay. When Sandy and Toby (laughs) heard of all the repairs that were, that were going so well that the breaks in the wall were being repaired, they were furious again, and they put their heads together and decided to fight against them and create as much trouble as they could. But we countered with prayer, Come on. and we set the round-the-clock guard against them. Soon the word went out, all this stuff is going on. Then, verse 13, So I stationed armed guards at the most vulnerable places of the wall. I assigned people by families with their swords, lances, and bows. He went on, did a bunch of cool things, told them to keep building. The enemies did some more things. And then he said, military officers served as backup for everyone. The common laborers held a tool in one hand and a sword or a spear in the other hand. Each of the builders had a sword strapped to his side as he worked, and I kept the trumpeteer on my side. So see, here's what he did. While you're building your wall of truth, see, I built mine, so I don't, I, I, I'm not in process of rebuilding what I know to be true. A bunch of y'all still are. That's good. You've got a bunch of bricks already laid. It's awesome, but you need to go taller. You need to go higher because a fox could sit on it and break it down. He just said that, right? And so what he did was he said, okay, if you're going to work here, you're going to have to carry a sword and you're going to have to have your bricklaying instrument as well. Both of them. they, They had both of them. What is that a a representation of? Your sword represents your authority. So now, there's not going to be some enemy come and tear your little wall down, but there is an enemy that's going to come and tear your little wall down. It's happening up here. It's happening out here with words, with texts, with emails, right? With responsibilities. But your wall's not built yet. See, I know my wall's built... And so I have a lot of freedom, but I also know how to protect myself. And so what was my next one? Yes. So I have these two things. I have swords and I have the tools and stones that I'm laying the wall with, right? That has to do with my function of my assignment. So I have tools. This is a big tool for me. I just bought me a new one. This isn't it. But anyway. You know, ditto crack the screen here by chewing on it or Todd or somebody. And so I got me a new one. 
I haven't got it yet, but I ordered it. But it's a big tool for me. And so I protect it. I don't just throw it around the house. I don't let anybody else use it. Why? It's just a tool for me to use to prepare. So do you understand that I, it's a known thing? This is just an example. I'm trying to be really practical. As a watchman, you have to have known things that you need to help you pursue this intimacy with him. Maybe, maybe you need to have some soaking music. Maybe you need a little speaker. You need some sort of tool. You need something to help you stay in that place to cause you to be invited into the more intimacy with him. It's just little tools. You know, the, the one stone didn't make up the whole wall. Are you with me? The one little attribute that you need and see, you've got to surrender. While you're building your wall, there's an enemy. And while you're building your wall, you've got to know these two things. You've got to know your authority in the spirit. So remember how Sandy and Toby, they said, hey, we'll buy you lunch over at your favorite place. Come eat lunch with us. And what? remember how long did it take him to build the wall? 52 days. He didn't have time for lunch. Listen, this is not a 400-year process. Re-establishing <laughs> Re truth is a focused assignment. You've got, you do it until you know it. If you've got people-pleasing or you got... You know, you need to perform to get love. You've got to reestablish truths. You've got to knock that wall down so that you can actually live from a place where you can watch not only your own life, but you can watch out for others. Everybody in here has someone they're responsible for. I mean, even Abe, he's responsible to pray over his little brothers. So he's responsible for something. Army's responsible to pray over his little brother. We're all, everybody from the littlest to the oldest, we're all responsible for something. What's the next one? So then he already said it. He set guards out in front. So they just watched while they built with their sword and their stuff. So are you able to be a guard for someone in this room that you know is rebuilding their truth? I'm a guard for all of y'all. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Whew, y'all make me tired. <laughs> now, see, I had to learn to not let that be weighty. I had to learn what was in my area and what was in God's area. I said it today. That's a really important lesson. And so that means that there's somebody... You Listen, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you think you're all alone, trust me, I am interceding for you. You are not alone. You may not know me, but I mean, I remember praying for Nathan years ago because bro told me about a friend of his. I didn't know him. Did you know that we put some chairs on Facebook, Craigslist, and a long time ago, and Melody texted her to buy the chairs. She already had interaction with Melody a couple years ago. Was it this year? February 21. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so see, God was pulling. 
Because she liked them West Elm chairs I had for sale. See, you, God's working that stuff that can blow your every little pea mind. He's like, man, I'm doing stuff all over. I'm connecting chairs with the prophet. You don't even know. Your melody. What's the next one? Yes, now I love this. This is proactive defense measures. So think about it for a minute. You're about to go into the holiday season. I long for the day that no one in here is depressed at holiday time because of what their squirrely family members are doing. That we just go, hey, do you turkey? What do you want to do, baby? I don't care. Hey, you don't even need to give me a present. I don't need. Just give to the church. Just give to One Life. Proactive defense measures so you can enjoy Jesus' birth. Listen, we adopt the Huff family every year. Don't you want to do something amazing for them again this year? I'm already planning it. It's going to be amazing. Don't you just want that to happen? Well, now, wouldn't it be sad if we took up a bunch of stuff and Gave them some gifts, and they just called some family members of theirs and said, hey, here's some old trashy gifts from the church. You'd kind of feel a little different, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Proactive defense measures. Listen, you've got to invest in your spiritual growth, your spiritual health, your physical health. You've got to invest in having longevity. Everything spiritual. And so, I love this, it said, um, there's a lot of work going on, (laughs) and we're spread out here all along the wall, separated from each other, but when you hear the trumpet call, join us where the trumpet is, and God will fight for us. That's why when you hear some news, you got to text. You got to get it in there. You'll be like, hey, this is going on in my life. That's proactive defense measures. Do you have the patrols going on? Do you have the guards going on? Do you have your supplies? Do you have your authority and your sword? Do you have all that going on while you're building the wall? Listen, we're going to be talking about the temple, building the temple, and it's going to excite you. But the, but the first thing is, if you don't have a wall, that temple's going to take some hits. Come on, be honest. Everybody in here has been trying to build up their temple, but man, we've taken some hits. I propose this is why. Look at all those lines of defense that are going on before they should get to the temple. You're the temple. Do you believe it? Yes. You're, oh. Oh. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that made me laugh. We have this, we have this new way to, for me to know if she's coming up here or not. So. 
Come on. I had I had one more thought, but when I saw your when I saw what you did, that made me laugh too hard. I couldn't remember it. <laughs> I told her I was going to get her a little post-it note, and she could just stick it on the chair, and then I would know. But this is what she just sent me instead. <laughs> it's my post-it note. Digital. I had to improvise. Couldn't find the actual sticky note. So I love this message. I love the series. I love the illustration that it gives us and for what's going on in our life and what we're called to do. And I recently read a book that talked about Nehemiah rebuilding the wall and, and it, and it illustrated why he wanted to. Um, and it, it showed that, you know, he had a pretty good life back in Persia Babylon or wherever it was at that time. And he had a pretty good life, had a, a position of high stature, had really carved his life out to be just what he wanted it to be. But he was a, a, a Jew and he believed in God and he loved God. And he thought that his brothers who had gone to back to Jerusalem to worship were doing good. But when he heard that they, that they had no wall, he was so grieved. He was grieved when he found out that this he he worked with, for the king right he worked for the the persian king in this magnificent temple that was elaborate and beautiful and had huge walls and and he was a, a man who was um specialized in security the cupbearers were security guys right and so he had the standard and he just assumed the same thing was going on at the temple for his for his God, because this was now the standard. But then when his brothers came and, and he found out there's not even a wall and that the temple is being attacked and there's people violating, you know, the, the people living in the area, he was grieved. It, and not just for the sake of the people, but he said, this does not reflect on my God like it should. It looks like we are just a wimpy little tribe of people, and this this lack of a wall does not glorify God. And so that's something I had never thought about before. I mean, there's an obvious security issue if you don't have a wall, but it also is meant to glorify God. It's mo it's supposed to tell your enemies, "Don't try messing with me. Don't even don't even think about trying to invade." or disrupt the worship in my temple because the wall is visible. You know, it, it sends a message. Yeah, and it, it displays what a priority God is to you. It displays how powerful he is, how much trust you have in him, how much you're reliant on him. So our wall is not just for protection. It's also to glorify God. And so it, it makes a lot of sense to me that he's highlighting this in this season, because I'm telling you, God has made his mind up at this point in time and this point in history that he is going to be glorified. He is going to show himself strong in our world. He just decided. Remember the vision with the, the time, the event based timeline. The event has begun. There have been so many prophetic messages that it said the show has begun. God is putting on a show in our world right now, in our nation. He is putting on a show. So the decision's been made, okay? He's already made the decision. It's going to happen. So are we going to be among the ones who are he's being demonstrated through? 
Or are we going to be on the sidelines, just kind of wishy-washy, you know? So the fact that he wants to be glorified because he's chosen this to be a time where he is glorified um, through his people means that you've already got tremendous backing in the rebuilding of your wall. You know, remember the trim in the airplane? The trim was where you, you chose a position with your rudder, with your fin and all that of the airplane. You set your course, right? And you no longer had to hold it in your own strength. <laughs> you no longer have to hold it in your own strength. Your decision's made. I'm going to put my rudder in this position and we're going to go forward. And I no longer have to hold it in my own strength. That's what I'm thinking of when I hear this. God's decided what he's doing on the earth right now. So you just choose. You choose to say, I'm going to build a wall that glorifies God. I'm going to build a temple that glorifies God. And I'm going to protect the temple with a wall, with a foundation of truth that glorifies him. You set your course and he's just given us this word that say you just make the decision and then he holds you. He holds you on the course that will lead you there. So that's not out of striving. You've already got his backing to build your temple wall. Okay. So I just want, you know, there's so much going on in the world. I wanted to add one thing. I listened to Johnny Enloe from Monday night and his, his message was incredible. And I had this incredible experience because he was speculating what was going to happen with the election. You know, he was saying, well, you know, the enemy could do this or, you know, they could do that or this. I mean, he was just talking about all these different angles. And a lot of it was on the surface bad, you know, like if I couldn't just like take my AirPod out and say, guess what Johnny Enloe said and say it. And the other person receive the same thing I was feeling because I was feeling this incredible sense of excitement but the things that he was saying were going to happen on the surface look kind of bad you know if you say guess what we're in a world war like really a world war like the first couple of world wars when you know, world wars weren't you know fully involving the entire world but now he's saying no this is involving the whole world that sounds bad you know on a surface level, but God is overturning the enemy right now. He is exposing the enemy in a way he's ne that has never been done before. It is being said over and over again by several prophets, nothing like this has ever happened on earth before. Nothing like this has ever happened on earth. There is no precedent for this. God has decided that he is done with the devil worship with Baal worship. He's done done with the with the uh, agenda to take out humanity and to just take away lives. And he's saying that it's over. It's over. And so, just it's an incredible thing because I was feeling this incredible sense of excitement, like I wanted to come out of my skin just hearing about because it resonated within me because that's what God's been telling me too, and is God God has been telling us. And uh, many of you will remember the dream I had a couple two years ago, a little almost three years ago now, about the new world. Right? Remember the green light shining on the earth, and then there was finally a breakthrough and a brand new world. That was, he gave me that dream. I experienced that dream. I know with 100% accuracy that God was prophesying through that dream about what was going to happen. I didn't know what it was going to look like, but I know that I know that I know that that was a prophetic dream and I'm seeing it happen right now. And that is exactly what's happening. Uh, there's so many things I would love to repeat that he, that Johnny Enloe shared, but 
but one of them is this. He just said, the level of kingdom that you see being demonstrated on the earth now, okay, the level of heaven on earth, God moving, healing, resurrections and all that is the lowest it will ever be from this point on in the future. The lowest. So the best of the best that you've heard about, that you've heard testimonies of, that are shared, is the lowest that it will ever be from this point on. That is where we're heading. That's where we're heading. Isn't that exciting? So building your temple wall, I'm just saying, this is an exciting process. This is a promise-filled process, not a hard process. There's no striving in it. It is not a fear-driven thing. It's not a desperate, out of desperation. This is out of excitement for what God's doing on the earth right now. So I, for one, am so grateful to be alive right now and to be able to be a part of this and this house who is poised to participate fully in what God is doing. And so, Tisa, I just want to thank you for being our fearless leader and calling, calling out the gold in us. Thank you so much. You too, Pam. Lenny. So thankful, so thankful that you've called out the gold in us and you've called out the things that were not gold. You know, you do both really well. And so we can't be healed of what we won't admit and we won't admit what we can't see. So thank you for all that you've shown us in our, in ourselves and our temples and our walls. So we can be at this point in time here and now. So Papa, I just want to thank you for the leadership in this house. I just thank you for the incredible people who have gone before us. And just like the verse I read on Sunday, it said to don't let our hearts grow dull and unresponsive to the Lord, but to follow the example of those who have fully grasped the full promise of God. And that's what we have. We have people in this room who have gone before us and really grasped the fullness of the promise of what Jesus did when he came to the earth and and lived and and died and was resurrected for us. So I thank you for what you've pre-provided for us. I thank you for the journey that you have set us on, for the path that we're on right now, and for all that you have pre-provided for what's to come in the days ahead. Thank you that you've pre-provided all the materials we need to rebuild our wall, all the strength, all the courage, everything we need to grow and to be a strong and beautiful temple and a beautiful city surrounded by a beautiful wall. And so I thank you for all the watchmen who are on their post at their designated times and for all the temple builders who are building when they're meant to be a temple, I, be building a temple. I thank you for this incredible balance that you've displayed tonight, that we are always meant to be doing both truly. We have to operate in our authority with our swords, and we have to continue building on the assignment that we've been given. And we don't stop, and the wall will be built in 52 days. And so I just thank you for the, the tweaking and the fine-tuning of how to operate with you. And so we love you today, Papa. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Holy Spirit. We love you, warrior team. And we say yes and amen to all that you have already said yes to, to what you're doing on the earth at this point in time. And we count it an honor and a privilege to be your chosen ones. So we love you. We love you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, 
please visit us at onelifeok.com. 